Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. The planet has been shaking with swarms of earthquake across the world. From the tragic and devastating earthquakes in Italy, to all the way to beautiful Tonga, which is home to a subducting plate and an awful amount of earthquakes, we find out what goes on with swarms of earthquakes, how they operate, and why they're helping us understand new things about earthquakes across the world. On the 18th of January, Italy has been struck by another set of tragic earthquakes which have led to a whole bunch of landslides, many deaths, some great stories of amazing rescue from the rubbles, people being pulled out of the landslide covered hotels. But this is actually a cluster, a cascade of earthquakes in this region, which has been going on since about August uh, in 2016. This particular cluster, uh, there was about uh, a couple uh, major shakes around August 29, a 5.3 and a 6.0, and then sort of troughed off for a bit with still a large number of tremors and aftershocks. Following that in October, we had three substantive shakes, uh, 5.4, 5.9, and 6.5. And then again in January, we've had another cluster above four, uh, around the 5 to 5.5 range. And these are all reasonably substantial quakes. Uh, obviously, they're not up to the seven, the complete catastrophe level, um, but we're getting pretty serious. And this has been going on for a long period of time. Now, large amounts of earthquakes in central Italy are not uncommon. It's sort of perilously located on the intersection between the Eurasian and the African plates, tectonic plates. And as these two plates move and ram into each other, we end up not only with the, the Pyrenees and the Alps, the fantastic mountain ranges around through Italy along the spine of the middle of it all the way up to Switzerland, but it also leads to a lot of large earthquakes in this region on along these fault lines. It is to be said that it's also not just Italy affected by this. Um, a lot of the Greek area, islands, the southern part of Greece, substantially at risk and has had a large number of quakes, um, along with areas in Turkey. And we've seen some particularly devastating earthquakes in Turkey, um, just south of Istanbul uh, region along the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And that's pretty much for the same reasons. They all lie on this, the, the plane of the fault itself, which sort of pokes up in the gap between uh, Italy and Greece, hence the large concentration of earthquakes there. And this makes sense. I mean, we know about the volcanoes in Sicily and other places nearby, uh, but we also know of the earthquakes and the devastating toll that they can have. And interestingly, the earthquakes in January 2017 actually lying in between uh, in what's called a seismic gap, an area that hasn't had a lot of activity, um, but now has. So between the August 2016 earthquake, the one I mentioned earlier, and the one in October, um, they're sort of located in one spot. And then there was another one further further north in the Umbria Marcia region, which occurred in 1997. Uh, and between those two areas is where this one in January 20th actually occurred. So basically in the line gap between these two places is where this next earthquake has occurred. In fact, there hadn't been any strong earthquakes in that region, that gap, for about 100 years. And that's why they call it a seismic gap effectively a spot on the along the line of the fault where there's been no major activity for a period of time. These f earthquakes are in the region called the Amatrice Norcia region and there's a huge fault line that's about 70 kilometers in length uh, that is the to the west of Bove Vettore and Guzzano mountains 
the default system in its entirety, Amatrice Monte Vittore fault system. And it's pretty much one of the largest in Italy. And it's one of those places where the Earth's crust is actually stretching and coming apart. One of the interesting parts about the way in which these faults move is that there's not just one big long fault. In geological terms, this fault is relatively new. It's only been active for about 500,000 years, which makes it pretty immature as a fault. And that means it's actually in multiple segments, four principal segments, around 10 to 20 kilometer long. And these segments are separated by gaps, seismic gaps, about a few kilometers in length, or having substantial bends. So they're not exactly lined up in a big straight or jaggedy line. Thus, when the um, Atrice Monte Vittore fault moves, it's sort of jerking from one segment to the next and sort of trying to roughly line up. And it's not uncommon. This actually is relatively consistent. When scientists have studied faults across the world, they found that most of them are divided into three or four general fault segments. Uh, that are smaller faults that make up the large one. Now, one of the interesting parts when these faults are immature and not all the little sub-segments are not connected is that it's actually mechanically difficult for the earthquake energy to sort of traverse all this way across the fault. It doesn't start at one point and sort of zigzag all the way to the end. It takes, it's broken up in these segments, these places where the uh, there's the gaps between the fault and the energy is dissipated. When the fault becomes mature, it's actually just one long connected segment and the, the transfer of energy along the rupture is more easily and the whole thing just moves together. Now, it is likely then that the, the gaps between these faults as it's not really connected up yet is one of the causes of these major cascading or clusters or swarms of earthquakes that we're seeing in Italy. Now, the August 24 earthquake um, sort of broke the central segment of the fault, so sort of had a big push rupture there and started to move two of the other, other segments further north. In, by October 30, the last remaining one in the south, which hadn't been broken yet, sort of started to start to partially break. And the later ones that we had in January also started to push that up now as well. Now these earthquakes have been going on for some time, and I said it was, you know, a relatively young and immature fault, but there's been, ooh, over 30 larger earthquakes of around magnitude 6 to 7 over the past 15,000 years along that fault, which which is incredible when you think about it, because um, there's been a lot of smaller ones to go with those major ones. And we've picked that up by actually studying uh, the fault itself and tracking it back through its geological history. Because you can see in some areas where there's large cliffs and ridges that have been slowly progressively lifted up each time there's another major earthquake sometimes even jumping as much to two to three meters over the over the period of those shakes. And these are often visible on Monte Vittore uh, as one of the major areas along the fault line. Now it's believed the fault plane goes to about 10 to 15 kilometers deep. And that's generally where these really large earthquakes begin. So you think about the fault as just the visible sign of a much larger and deeper geological process going on. And interestingly, these large earthquakes that they identified, those 10 over the last 15,000 years, all occurred as parts of clusters, much in the same way uh, that we're seeing now with these clusters of earthquake in Italy. And previously, we believed that earthquakes, you know, when we had a, 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 a slippage on a fault or a big quake, uh, we sort of thought that, okay, well, that's it, then, you know, that we won't see them anymore because the energy has been released and dissipated. And that view is now sort of changing amongst scientists, that particularly in some areas with segmented immature faults, that's not the case at all. Um, we would actually see uh, cascades or series of earthquakes as the faults start to align itself, pull itself together. Now, even if this fault sort of all lines itself up 
uh, ruptures and sort of pushes itself together. There's still other areas along the entirety of the Italian uh, peninsula where more faults occur, uh, are present uh, and, you know, where they haven't really uh, sort of lined themselves up yet. So we're not going to see potentially the end of cascading earthquakes in Italy anytime soon for geological reasons. Um, but there's certainly a lot going on in that space. And it's helping us learn and understand more about the way in which earthquakes work, specifically these clusters of earthquakes around fault regions. It still remains an area of huge risk, not just for Italy, but for Greece and Turkey as well. It shows the dangers of living on a fault line and stresses the need for accurate geological science and monitoring, as well as enforced building codes and designing to live in earthquake zones safely, as we've done in Japan and New Zealand and many other places which are at high earthquake risk. Nestled in the Pacific Ocean is the lovely island archipelago of Tonga. And Tonga is a beautiful place. White sand beaches and beautiful islands, lovely people. And it's also home to a lot of geologists because it is a treasure trove of geological data. Tonga lies basically at an intersection between the Pacific and the Australian plates. And what happening is just outside of the archipelago itself is a sub massive subduction zone where the Pacific plate is sliding under the Australasia. Now that leads to some fascinating amounts of geological data being released and huge amounts of deep underwater earthquakes at an immediate depth and deep depth earthquakes that are sort of forming in this region. And scientists have been studying this. Now, these earthquakes are about 40 miles beneath the surface, so they're very, very deep. And at that point, uh, the rock around that should be soft and pliable, more likely to ooze rather than snap in big, sudden, massive earthquakes. So, like, actually trying to get an earthquake to happen there should be incredibly difficult. Now, one scientist from Washington University in St. Louis, Dr. Sean Y, sort of describes it as trying to get molasses to snap. But recent research published by Dr. Sean Wyatt from University of Washington, has been pointing out some, some interesting things that are going on there. And that is that what they're seeing at this depth, uh, these earthquakes that are happening, are being caused by sudden flushes of water along this deep gulf trench where these plates are going over the top of each other. Now, at this level, there's, there's a lot of rock, and some of this rock contains basically minerals and water mixed together. And what ends up happening is there's more and more energy and friction going on between these plates. These rocks actually decompose and release all of a sudden all this water in a big burst of a jet. And basically the pressure of the fluid causes earthquakes. Effectively, in the same way that when you use uh, wastewater injected into deep wells, when doing fracking, for example, um, it causes earthquakes in a similar method. Mostly you're just a large pressure jet of water shuddering through all the rocks around it in a big hole uh, is causing shakes. The same thing is happening near Tonga. Now, the Tongan plate has been studied uh, very closely by scientists roughly since the 1960s when the King of Tonga invited scientists in to investigate this amazing area. And it's interesting because researchers such as Japanese seismologist Hitoshi Kawasatsu uh, in 1985, sort of identified the two actual separate slabs of or earthquake zones in the, the rift itself. 
um, one at the, towards the top and one deeper down towards the middle. Uh, and it's very interesting because the Tonga Trench is actually one of the fastest moving faults. It moves at about ooh, nine inches a year compared to, say, the San Andreas Fault, which is about two. Uh, and it's not moving uniformly. Uh, some areas are going faster, such as the, in the north, than those in the south. But what, they, what these researchers found, building on the research from 1985, um, they actually sort of looked for this clustering on this area of earthquakes in certain portions of the fault. Uh, and they identified this area, which they called the seismic belt. It's a really super active area of earthquakes on the fault. And, and as that fault area descended more and more rapidly, they saw a huge cluster of earthquakes, which seemed unusual and confusing. And that's where the understanding about the release of water comes in. When, the, when this fault has gone down, gone down deeper, it's heated up. Once it's heated up, this water, which had been crystallized and formed into minerals previously on the seafloor, uh, then got released. It's often found in serpentine minerals, like the green stone one called antigorite. Uh, and basically, these are minerals where the seawater has been crystallized and reacted with the rock around it and created a, basically a, a hydrous mineral. But these sort of break down and dehydrate uh, when they heat up, which means that uh, you get a large su sudden release of water, and that water then just rushes out, leading to an earthquake. And this work being done out of Washington University together with Scripps Institute of Oceanography and the Carnegie Institution for Science uh, has gone to show that how a cluster of earthquakes, the 671 in the Tonga Trench, can have a multiple different cause. And it helps us learn and understand more about these earthquake clusters as we find more of them in our Earth and understand the differences between them and the way in which our planet recycles and creates new land through the movement of the tectonic plates. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we found out about how the movement of faults as they mature can help explain swarms of earthquakes. Plus, what releasing water deep underneath the ocean can lead to another set of swarms of earthquakes in time. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.